You are listening to Venture Church Podcast. For more information, visit jointheventure.com or facebook.com slash jointheventure. We hope you enjoy. Those of you that know Doctor Who, you know that that was Rowan Atkins, Mr. Bean, not actually one of the doctors, and that's okay. We still understand. Those of you who don't, this is not the doctor who everybody's been talking about, but it's the same idea. We, we all love that idea of, of time travel because time travel would be awesome. Having a time machine would be just an amazing thing. You can go to the future and you could get a sports almanac and you can know all the results for all the teams forever and you can go and you can make a bunch of bets and end up starting your own casino and ruining a town. Or you could go back in time and you can get special people from history and bring them to come do an oral report for you at school and so you can graduate. Wait, those would be good movies, wouldn't they? I think so. But having a time machine would be awesome. If I had a time machine, you know what I would do? I would just get everything done. You ever have that feeling your schedule is just so slammed that you wish you had a time machine just so you could get everything done? Uh, let me tell you a little bit about, about me and, and where I am right now. Um, for most of my life, uh, I've been in full-time ministry. Uh, I did 10 years as a full-time youth minister and about five years as a full-time preacher. And I did not realize at the time just how free a schedule of a minister is. Um, and Chris and Lindsay are both looking at me, sticking their head going, what are you talking about? But it was true. And when, I was, when I was a minister, if something happened at home, I could run home, no problem. If somebody needed me, I could go and help them out, not an issue, no questions asked. Nobody wanted to, to know where I was going, what I was doing, as long as my job got done. Now I work in the public school system. And in the public school system, I have to get to work at 7.15. Oh, I'm a classified, not uh, certified in the public school system, which is a little bit different, but I got to get to school at 7.15 and I can't leave until 3.15 without filling out like four forms and getting three people to approve it and having it done two weeks ahead of time and then other stuff on top. I don't know if your jobs are like that, but if you do, man, I don't know how you live in the real world. Uh, I'm still trying to get used to it because not being able to just go and get a burger when I'm hungry is difficult. But then on top of that, right now, I'm also a part-time web content manager for the uh, Bible college that I went to for their website. And so that's about 10 hours a week that I put in. Uh, And then on top of that, I also run a pretty successful sticker business, a decal business on Etsy, and that's about 15 hours a week. And then on top of that, I moved to Wilmington just to be able to volunteer with Venture. And so I'm here, and I'm on the production team, and I'm on the stage design team, and I'm preaching Sneaky way of uh, getting some breathing room, by the way. You can't just get all your breathing room by making other people do your stuff, friends. But I'm, I'm preaching, and I'm also uh, leading the teen ministry adventure right now and volunteering in that. And so I've got all of this stuff. I feel like I'm in a sitcom a lot of times. You know, I feel like Chandler in that episode when Joey asked him to come to the play, and then he says, sure, and then Ross shows up, and he's like, I got tickets to the Knicks. And Chandler's like, let's do it. And then he realizes they're at the same time. And he's just pulled apart. He doesn't know what to do. No friends watchers? Oh, come on. Um, It's okay. I know it was a long time ago, but we still love it. It's getting ready to come on Netflix too, which is exciting for my wife. Uh, I'll be able to stop watching Gilmore Girls. Um, But you get these two things that are going and they're pulling you in different directions. And it happens to us all the time. So what do we do about that? How do we fix our schedules so that we can clear that clutter and have a little bit 
of breathing room? How do we get to where we can clear out the clutter and have just a little bit of margin to make our lives easier and better? I think it's safe to say that one of the easiest ways to clear the clutter in your schedule is to figure out what's most important and and to, to focus on that. Figure out what's most important because everything else then is clutter and you can kind of wipe it away. But that's kind of a big broad thing that we feel like we're doing. We say, you know what, I give time to the most important things in my life. But I think we actually fail miserably at that. And when I say miserably, I mean completely and utterly miserably we fail. I did a little bit of math this week, all right? Imagine this, in, in a day, it's actually not imagine, it's a fact. In, in a day, there are 1,440 minutes. Every day, 1,440 minutes. And I think on average, we give about 15 minutes, if we can really be honest with ourselves, a day with the things that we think are most important. 15 minutes. Some of us, it's a stretch to get to 15 minutes. But you know what 15 minutes in a day is? 1%. 1%. Now, I'm in elementary school, so they don't do grading exactly the same way, but I remember when I was in high school, I don't think if you got 1% on a test, you would pass. 1% of our day, and we think, man, look at all this time I'm giving to this thing I think is so important. So we've got to start living our lives to way where we say that things are important, look like they're important. But I'm going to talk about how we decide what's important at the, the later part of this talk. Right now, what I want to talk about is what we do once we've decided. Once we've decided that we're going to focus on the things that are important, how do we, how do, we do that? Well, the first thing we've got to do is we've got to take our time. We've got to take our time. Now, I don't mean like when you're on a Sunday afternoon stroll through the mall or down the river and you're just meandering along and it's all easy and cozy. No, I'm not, not like be slow, but take your time. Take control of your time. Take your time and grab a hold to it and say, this is my time and I'm going to do with it what needs to be done. I'm going to do with it what is important. Take our time and own our choices and budget our time according to what's most important. You know, everybody that you talk to that has any sense is going to tell you that when you look at your money and your finances, that you need to have a budget. Uh, that, that you need to have a good budget because that's the only way you're ever going to be able to accomplish the things that you want to do with your money. Uh, in fact, last week, Chris uh, preached about finances and having margin in that and, and talked about having a budget and knowing what you're going to do. It's important because weird things happen when you do things without a plan. Um, we all go grocery shopping pretty often, right? I, I enjoy going grocery shopping some other time, but sometimes you go grocery shopping and you know there's one particular thing that you're going to get. I'll, I'll never forget, it was a couple weeks ago, um, Kal-El wanted to have his favorite meal, which is brown stuff and yellow stuff and yellow stuff. And, um, and I said, okay, we can do that. Uh, by the way, brown stuff is kielbasa, and yellow stuff is yellow rice, and yellow stuff is corn. So kielbasa, corn, and yellow rice. It's his favorite meal ever, uh, and we eat it a couple of times a month, but we had run out of brown stuff and yellow stuff and yellow stuff. So we said, we'll go to the grocery store, and we'll get this. Um, two hours later... With a shopping cart full, we get home, and we're unloading everything, and we go to make brown stuff and yellow stuff and yellow stuff, and guess what we forgot at the store? Brown stuff and yellow stuff and yellow stuff. We had none of it. We left the house to go to the store to get those three things, but because we didn't have a list, because we didn't have a plan, because we hadn't budgeted our time in the grocery store, we came out with a bunch of other stuff that was good, things that we needed, things that we could eat, 
but not what we thought was most important at that point in time. I think we need to have that kind of budget for our time. Look at what it says in Ephesians chapter 5. It says, be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Be very careful then how you live, making the most of every opportunity. When you go to the grocery store, go get the things that are on your list first. Then if you need some other stuff, you can fill in. When you're going through your life, do the things that you think are most important first, and then you can do those other things if there are time for them. Make a budget. Take control of our time because that's the only way to clear that clutter out is to know what's most important and say, this is what I've got to do first. We have to be careful with our time because time is limited Time is, is finite. We only have so much time given to us. It's interesting when you look at time because time is one of those paradoxical things that, that weird things happen when you start talking about it. Like, the, for instance, when you talk about time, the word yes actually means no. Take a second, let it sit in. The word yes means no when it comes to time. Let, let's give you a scenario. I invite you to come over to my house on Friday night to play board games. I say, we're going to play some uh, Super Dungeon Explorer. We're going to have a good time. That'll take about four hours. Aaron's like, I'm in. There you go. He likes to play the mage. Um, it'll take about four hours. All right, so you say, all right, yes, Patrick, I will come and play Super Dungeon Explorer with you, and that'll be awesome. But you think you're saying yes, but what you're really doing is you're saying no to everything else in the universe for that block of time. You're saying, yes, Patrick, I will be there, but more importantly, you're saying no to everything else. That's the way time works. You can only be in one place at one time. We're not omnipresent. That's the word I was looking for. We, we can't do it. We can't go everywhere all at once, so we've got to pick and we've got to choose. There's some things we need to say yes to and some things we need to say no to, and I hope when you say no to things that you're saying no that, so that you can say yes to something else. Because when you say yes, you're saying no to so much else. And so saying yes is no because that's the way time is. There's a passage of scripture in the, the Gospel of Luke, which is a story of Jesus' life written by this physician that sits down and says, I'm going to tell you about Jesus in a very clear and technical way. He says, I'm going to tell you about Jesus. And, and, and here, Jesus in chapter 4, he is visiting with a friend. And he starts healing people. And more and more people keep coming and he's healing people. And more people keep coming and he's healing people. And it talks about how it goes into the night that Jesus is healing people. Well, at the end of the chapter, verse 30, or 42, it says, At daybreak, Jesus went out to a solitary place. And the people were looking for him. And when they found him, or they came to where he was, they tried to keep him from leaving them. But he said, I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God to the other towns also. Because this is why I was sent. These people show up in the morning and they're like, Jesus, you went to bed last night before you healed me. I, I still got a, a tennis elbow I need to get fixed. Can you just help me out? And Jesus is like, look, I, I healed some of you. I, I helped some of you out, but now it's time for me to go and help other people. Would it have been bad for Jesus to stay and heal people in Caesarea? No. I don't think it would. I think that healing is a, is a good, powerful thing. I think it was getting Jesus' message out that he was God and that he had power. But Jesus knew something better. 
Jesus knew something greater. Jesus knew that he had a mission. He had a plan. He had what was most important. And he said, I've got to do this first. I've got to go and spread the gospel to other people. I've got to go and tell other people the good news. Not that it was bad to heal them. As we look at our lives and we start putting the important things first, we're going to have to say no to some good things. We're going to have to say no to some things that are important to us because they're not the most important. A couple weeks ago, Chris talked about that idea, the idea of choosing not just what is good, but what is better. And that's what we've got to start thinking in our whole lives. If we want to clear the clutter and find some breathing room in our schedules. It's interesting when you look at the fact of our schedule that if we don't develop a sense of urgency about it, a sense of urgency about taking control of our time, about taking our own time and saying, this is mine and I need to do what's important. If we don't do that, something else will. Have you realized that? If you don't take your time and say, I'm going to figure out what's important and put it first, then those important people in your life, your wife or your husband or your boyfriend and girlfriend or your children will say, hey, I know what you can do with that time. I know what you can do with that. Maybe it's not even that. Maybe it's, it's even less than that. Maybe it's that TV show that you like so much. I know what you are gonna be doing on Thursday nights at eight o'clock. You'll be sitting right here I don't even know what comes on Thursday night at 8 o'clock, but I'm sure there's something that one of you is like, man, yes, he got me. Because we let other things control our time, so we have to figure it out. We have to start doing it because if we don't take control of it, then our addictions will. If we don't take control of it, our weaknesses will. If we don't take control of it, our habits will. So take your time. Make a schedule. Take a minute and jot down a to-do list and say, these are the things that are important, the things that I need to get done today. Block out time for those things that you deem to be most important. And remember to give them more than 1% of your day. In the book of Psalms, the psalmist writes in chapter 90, he says, teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. This is an old principle Take your time and know that you've got a finite number of days. That one day your time is going to run out and with it, your life. So we've got to make the most of every opportunity. So first we have to take control of our time. We have to take our time. But then we've got to use something, and this is something I stole from Andy Stanley, which is okay. Uh, I didn't call him up and ask him, but uh, I really just took the name and I changed the idea a little bit. But uh, we've got to avoid time bandits. Time bandits. And I'm not talking about the Terry Gilliam movie that came out in the late 80s. I'm talking about those things that we do instead. Those things that seem so urgent at the time that you have to do them right then and you do them instead of something else. You know, when instead of going to church, you sleep in. Instead of going and taking your kids to the ball game, you uh, work a little bit later to get that couple of extra dollars. Instead of going home for Thanksgiving, you decide to just hang out and play video games. All the things that we do instead. I don't know what it is in your life that you do instead, but we all have those moments. 
And what's interesting is as we stack up those insteads and we stack them up and we stack them up and we stack them up, when we get to the end of our life and we look at it, you know what we got a big pile of? Absolutely nothing. Just something that's in the way, just something that's taking up our space, taking up our breathing room and our schedule because it was so urgent, we had to do it instead. And the problem is, the reason that it happens is because when you do something instead once, it doesn't have an immediate negative effect. I mean, take for instance, if you decided you were going to be an exerciser. That's what you call people exercise, right? An exerciser. And you're like, I'm going to go to the gym and I'm going to go to the Y and I'm going to do this stuff. I'm going to work out. It's going to be awesome. I'm going to run. I don't know why you would do that, but you decide you're going to do that. And you get in a habit and you're doing it and you're going. And then one day you say, you know what? Instead of doing that today, I'm going to sit on the couch and I'm going to watch a cartoon. You're not going to wake up the next morning and be 30 pounds heavier. It's not, it doesn't happen that way. Like, you know, you can go and you can miss a day and it's not a big deal. And you, maybe you can miss it two days and it's not a big deal, but it's when you miss another and another and another and another and another. Then you do wake up one morning and you're like, wow, I am 30 pounds heavier. What in the world happened? Or wow, where did my kid's childhood go? Or wow, why does my wife not even want to speak to me anymore? because you were doing stuff instead. You know, there's a cumulative negative effect of instead. The more instead you get, the less important things you have. But there's also a cumulative effect in the opposite direction. The more important things you do, the better they get. Uh, let me give you an example. What if we decided today, today that we would be friends? I think that's cool, we should be friends, right? So let's all decide, we're gonna all be friends, I'm gonna be your friend, you're gonna be my friend, but there's so many of you that I can really only give you about 10 minutes a week. But that's fair, right? So for the next, we'll say we go 20 years, 10 minutes a week, I hang out with every one of you 10 minutes a week for 20 years. We'd get to know each other pretty well, right? You know, we get to know the ins and outs. Even just 10 minutes a week, you got time to say, you know what? The new things that have happened in my life are here and I would know all the nuances of all the different things and all the seasons of your life. But what if Chris said, you know, Patrick, uh, I've known you for a while. Why don't we just skip the next 20 years? And what we'll do is we'll just hang out for a week total 20 years from now. Because 20 years, 10 hours a week, or 10 minutes a week, 52 weeks, that's right at seven days, just over seven days. So that would work, right? You could just spend a week together 20 years from now and we'd be just as good of friends, right? No, that's not how friendship works. You would know so little, only surface things in that week. You would feel like you were good friends, but you wouldn't know all the past. You wouldn't know all the history. You wouldn't know all the seasons, all the ins and outs, all the ups and downs, because there's an accumulative effect. And as you grow and spend that time with those important things, exponentially it grows. And you can't make that time up. And yet we still let those time bandits sneak in and steal away those moments. Those moments that we could really even just call them life bandits. Henry David Thoreau said it this way. He said the cost of a thing uh, is the amount of life which is required to be exchanged for it. The cost of a thing is the amount of life that is required to be exchanged for it. So, so look at this. What, what if you went to the grocery store? You went to Walmart or you went to Harris Teeter because there don't seem to be as many food lines around as Harris Teeter's here. But you went to Harris Teeter and 
you looked on the price tag, and instead of a dollar sign, there was an amount of time. So you grab a soda, and it says eight minutes, because that's how long you got to work to pay for that soda, is eight minutes. And you're like, man, eight minutes, that's a lot for a soda. But if you're making minimum wage, that's about the right amount of time. And you look at a book, and it says 15 hours. And you're like, wow, that's an expensive book. Well, you got to count in the time that you're going to take to read it as well. So it takes you 12 hours to read and, and three hours to buy it. And that's how much of your life goes into that book. And you look at it and you say, man, that's a lot. I don't know. Look at it this way. What if you went to buy a car? And we'll, we'll just say a, a nice mid-range car, a nice Kia, but we'll get it tricked out. So about 30 grand, right? $30,000. How many hours do you think that would be? 3,750 hours if you're making minimum wage. That's 478-hour workdays. And that's only counting the money to get that. That's not counting taxes that are taken out on you, taxes on the car. That's not counting insurance. That's not counting food. That's not counting rent and electricity and all those other things that have to come out. 470 workdays. And we think, man, that's a cheap car a year and a half of my life. We have to start looking at our time as it's our life because when we're wasting our time, we're wasting our life. So we have to budget, we have to schedule, we have to get rid of these time bandits that wanna come in and steal this away from us Because even though we can do all these things, they're not, they're not all valuable. In the book of 1 Corinthians, Paul's writing this letter and he tells him, he says, look, everything is permissible, but not everything is beneficial. Everything is permissible, but not everything is constructive. We can do all these things in our lives. We, we can play on Facebook and we can do all this stuff going and uh, playing video games. We can read books and we can build houses and we can do whatever it is that fills your day sitting and watching American Idol. We can do it. But all it's doing is taking away from what's most important and it's crowding us in and leaving us no breathing room. So we got to get rid of those time bandits. We have to get rid of those things that, that suck us away and say, let's do this instead and start focusing on what's most important. So we have to take our time and we have to reduce time bandits. It makes sense. But again, it all hinges on that idea of knowing what's most important. Because you have to know what's most important before you can focus on what's most important. So I want to be a little bit transparent with you. I want to do a little bit of share with you because I think that's, that's good. That's, that's healthy. I'm going to tell you what's most important in my life. And it may surprise some of you. But what's most important in my life is doing and following Jesus Christ. It's doing the things that he wants in my life. I know it sounds amazing. Your mind is blown that a preacher stood on stage and said the most important thing in his life was Jesus. But it's true, and I'll explain why as we go through this. And don't get me wrong. I recognize completely that there might be people here that uh, Jesus isn't what they want to put first in their life yet. That you've heard about Jesus, and you're like, you know what? Jesus is a cool guy, and I like coming to church because that guy's got an awesome beard. But I, I don't know. I, you know. I don't know where you are here today, but I can tell you the principles that I'm getting ready to talk about, they'll work with whatever's most important in your life. 
If it's your family, if it's your job, if it's security, whatever it is, this principle will work with whatever's most important in your life. But for me, that's Jesus. For me, that's doing his work in his kingdom. In the book of Matthew, there's this really cool section. It's one of my favorite giant chunks of scripture. And it's in Matthew from chapter five to about chapter eight. And this is called the Sermon on the Mount. It's actually a recording, a writing down of one of Jesus's whole sermons. Uh, at least that's what we think it is. It's definitely a giant chunk of Jesus's teaching. Like when you're flipping through, if you've got one of those red letter Bibles, it's that when you get to that section like where 30 pages are read, that's where, that's where you wanna be. That's the, the Sermon on the Mount. That's that, that section. And in that section, Jesus is talking about all this good stuff. And he's saying, you heard it said that you need to do this, but you need to do this instead. But in the middle of the, the whole thing, he looks at him and he says, look, I can see that you're worried. I can see that there are concerns in your life, that your heart is troubled. But why are you worried Look at the grass in the field. It's dressed better than Solomon, the wisest, richest man that ever lived, was ever dressed in all of his splendor. And you worry about what you're going to eat and what you're going to drink, but look at the birds of the air. They, they fly around and they don't have a house, but God takes care of them. And aren't you more important than birds? And then Jesus says this, very end of Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, says, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. You know, I recognize that Jesus was talking about physical things and worry and stress and anxiety, but I think if we are truthful with ourselves, that's exactly what our busy schedules do, is they call stress and worry and anxiety. Can I get this all done? Can I get this all accomplished? Can I do all of these things that people want me to do? I think it's awesome that I'm in Wilmington now because I've got people that want to hang out with me and play board games, but that's just another thing on my schedule that I've got to add in. And so we've got to seek first his kingdom. Seek first what's most important. Here, here's a, a beautiful trick that I figured out. A, a beautiful trick that I've learned and I'm trying to implement in my life. I'm not gonna say I'm perfect at it, but I try. And that is if I do the first things first, there's no way anything can steal time away from them. If I do the most important things first, then there's no way that time bandits can come in and steal me away because they've already done it. The clutter doesn't get in the way of doing those things. And even sometimes the clutter will fall away. By putting Jesus first in my life, it makes me focus on making my family and my wife happy, taking care of my children, raising them up in a, in a good way. By putting God first in my life, it makes me want to do my best when I go to work. By getting, putting God first in my life, it makes me want to uh, do the best I can for his kingdom by volunteering here at Venture and doing all these things. All of those things that I talked about at the beginning that were so much scheduling and so much stress and so much weighing on me, I realized as I put Christ first, all those things just follow along because as I follow him, those things come right along with it. And that's true of whatever is important in your life. If you do that first, everything else is gonna come. And if it falls away, you realize it wasn't that important anyway. Because when you clear out all the clutter of what you should have done instead, you'll have all of this room to stand and breathe. So we've got to put the important things first. This last week was Thanksgiving, um, and I love Thanksgiving. 
Thanksgiving is probably one of my favorite times of year, and it and it probably not for why uh, you think it is. It may be though, but it's about the food. Uh, you know, that, that may be where your brain went, but it's about the. It's not about being thankful, although I'm thankful for the food. Um, it's not about Black Friday shopping, although I'm thankful for the food that I ate when I got home from it. But there's this one thing, and I've got to describe it to you. I tried to save one for you. I, I, I really did. I, I brought extras home with me and tried to save one so I could show you what it looked like, um, but that didn't work uh, because you don't understand. It's like the ambrosia of the gods on a plate. What I'm talking, that's not ambrosia salad either. Don't go over there. But my granny Jean makes these things called Apple Jacks. Now, Apple Jacks are not the cereal stuff that you're probably thinking in your brain right now, but Apple Jacks are a pastry. It's a fried pastry. You, you take and you make a, a, bis, or a, a pie dough with, with lard, it's, you know, with lard, that's right, with pig fat rendered out, and, and you, you get that all ready to go, and then you take some dehydrated apples and you chop them all up and reconstitute them, and you have to use dehydrated, not fresh, and you can't get canned. It's got to be rehydrated, dehydrated apples. And then you press it all together and you deep fry it in Crisco. And it is, it's so good and so beautiful and so wonderful that I walk in the house at Granny's. I go and I get an Apple Jack for each hand and then I go and say hello to people. Like that's, that's what I'm talking about. You, you go and you do that. Well, this year as I was walking back out to say hello, eating my Apple Jack, I heard my sisters having a conversation one, it was actually an argument. One was asserting the point that Apple Jacks were dessert. And so they belonged on the dessert table. And the other was asserting the point that Apple Jacks are just food and so they can go anywhere. And I didn't know what they were arguing about because it didn't matter where they were. I was going to eat them. But they look at me and they, they want my opinion. I'm standing there eating an Apple Jack. So the sister that thinks they're just food just looks at me and says, what do you think, Patrick? And I said, well, Apple Jacks are dessert. Bite. And they said, well, why are you eating them now then? I said, because... You never know when Jesus is going to come back, and I want to do what's most important first. <laughs> True story. But you guys, are, you guys are smart enough to recognize that when you do that, putting those first things first, it's, it's better. Because you don't have to worry about it disappearing. You don't have to worry about missing that time. When you put spending time with God first, Everything else is going to flow behind it. When you split spending time with your family first, everything else is going to go with it. You're not going to have those worries later on where you wake up and you're like, what in the world happened? But at the same point, my sisters had a decent argument going. It was a legitimate thing. They were arguing about whether Apple Jacks were dessert or not because so many people had brought dessert to Granny's house this year that there wasn't enough room on the table. Now, for me, the answer to that problem is obviously put up another table. But they were having this conversation, and I realized that it fit right in with my talk because we can't put up another table of time. We only have been given so much time in our lives. That's it. And once it runs out, it's done. Friends, I've decided what I'm going to put on my table first and make sure there's room for it. What about you? Let's pray. Gracious Father, I thank you so much for this day that you've given us to come together to hear your word be brought out, to take the time out of our busy schedules, out of our busy lives to come and and to worship you and and to hear your word brought forth. Father, I, I just ask and pray that you be with us today.
Help us to decide to put the first things first, to know that you are the most important and that when we follow you, all these other things will be added to. It's your name we pray. Amen.